Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey guys, what's up? Today, we're getting down to business and we are going to be talking about True Grit while drinking True Grit. Um, This is a 2015 Petite Syrah. I have had this in my cellar forever i thought you were just gonna waiting. say you had this and i was like no i, I have not didn't. drank it but i've we've been wanting to do this podcast on true grit for i don't know how long it's true and we just haven't um so here we go we're gonna do it we felt like now's the time since we've been working really hard and um we want to we want to talk about what true grit really means so before we get into that jamie the honors, please. I will pop this bottle. Um, I'm putting the corkscrew into a, an imprint of some cowboy boots on the top of the cork, which is, I always love when people do stuff with the actual corks. I don't know why. It's nice. I just think it's a nice little touch. Um, and this said to decant for 30 minutes, but since we're popping it with all of oh, you. Look how dark oh, that nice. cork is. That is dark. Um, that looks fun. We're going to use an aerator instead. <laughs> I don't know if I have that on right. So we're using an aerator, like I said. Jamie has fortuitously Mm -hmm. brought some wine wipes because Petite Syrah is so dark. And so these wine wipes that we have here are orange blossom flavored. Oh, so we use them at the end. Yeah. They help take the the wipe your teeth and mouth for any red wine stain. So Petite Syrah is like really dark as we can see in our glasses right now just look at that beautiful inky color oh so inky it smells so strong too cheers Cheers, it's like licorice and leather little coffee little oh like chocolate oh is it stinging the nostrils i got it in my nose (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like i agree with you you get the leather tobacco it's definitely been aged in oak because you can taste the vanilla on this a little bit. This is a 2015. Yeah. So this wine has some age on it too. And Petite Syrah is like, okay, we already said it's inky. It is a big, bold wine as far as body, alcohol. What is this? 14.5% I think yeah, is what it said. Um, body, tannin, alcohol, all of those things. Acidity, maybe not so much. It's usually like medium acidity level. This, I'm going to say, Sarah, I think the age that we have on this wine, so six years, I think this is a good amount. The tannin is more subdued than I anticipated. And perhaps it's just because I'm used to drinking more or younger wines. Yeah. But this has the body. This has the color. This has, I mean, very lingering finish. Like, I still taste the dark black fruits in the back of my throat and on my tongue. But, oh, damn. Which is what you'd expect with a Petite Syrah. Yeah. Oh, is that deep, dark fruit. And you're getting it. And you know what? As you drink it more, the those vanilla notes kind of balance out. They're not as prominent, at least for me. Because when I first um, took a sip, it was a little more prominent than mm-hmm. it is now. Mm-hmm. So I think it balances out. I'm going to go on a ledge and say I think aerating it was the right Oh, I totally agree. (laughs) I totally agree. Okay, so 2015, six years of age. Where is this from? I don't know. What? 
Parducci? Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant where did I get it from? Oh, because it's been so long. I love the honesty. Yeah. Don't no, know. No, I've had this forever and I have no idea where I got it. Okay. But where, who makes this again? Oh, and Parducci. Can you tell us I knew about that. <laughs> I was like, yes, you do. Um, yes, it's Parducci Winery out of Mendocino, California. <laughs> Um, oh, shit. Which was okay. founded in 1932. Amazing. And, yeah. It's the lo- longest standing winery in Mendocino. Very nice. And Parducci is a sub-brand of Mendocino Wine Company. But if you look on their website, actually, True Grit has like their own brand. So I'm a little confused there. But they also make Sketchbook, Paul Dolan, and Zinfomaniac. I feel like a lot of people are familiar with the Zinfomaniac. Have you had that before? Maybe. I'm trying I've to had a few of those like Zin wines that have Zin in the name and uh-huh. I can't remember if I've had Zinfomaniac or, okay. no, or not. Um, but they're really into sustainable farming. Uh, it's like part of just part of their culture and what they've been doing for years and years and years. Uh, so the Parducci um, family started out. <laughs> I feel like out- you're talking, you're saying like Donnie, Donnie, wait, what's that guy's name? Fuck. Danny, Danny DeVito? No. It's like, oh, Danny Bonaducci. He was from, uh, mm-hmm. what's that, what's that 70s show? Partridge Family. Yeah. Danny Bonaducci. Yeah. Not, no, no. <laughs> Parducci. Okay, sorry, carry on. Um, so the Parducci family, they were from Italy. They came to San Francisco in 1912. Um, this winery the Mendocino Winery was hand-built without electricity by a father and four sons. Dang. And um, the vineyards were actually tilled before the tractor was even invented, which, I mean, like, Europe's been doing for forever, so, like, whoop-de-doo. Uh, the, the first bottles <laughs> were filled with hoses and corks pounded with mallets, and that's how they built oh. the winery. So... Um, they also have True Grit has like the reserve red, which is what we're drinking. They also have a cab and a brandy, actually. Oh, yeah. Is which it, do I they like only brandy. Have reserve. We're drinking reserve. Do they only have reserve? Like, do they have like non-reserve wines? I don't. I I didn't find it. Um. So I don't know if they have a True Grit non-reserve. Hmm. Um. But um, like we said, uh, this Petite Syrah. And um, it's very, like, it's got aromas of, like, deep, dark fruits. There's a little bit of pepper, a little bit of tobacco, some vanilla, um, maybe some dark chocolate on there. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, they said that it's, um, wine enthusiast said that this would be best from 2022 to 2032. Uh, this is 2015 inches. Huh. So we're kind of right there. Um, so they say they can age it for like 15 years. Um, it did get 93 points if you're into that with wine enthusiasts. Which we usually don't pay attention to points. No. I don't think. No, we, we don't. choose wines. Um, but it's very selective fruit sourcing. They are hands-on winemaking. Um, and they say that each vintage gives the full range of expression for a fearlessly distinct wine. Ooh, see, I think that that is going to play into come into play mm-hmm. with the name. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that ranges. So again, I have no idea where I got this. I don't know if I bought it. I don't know if someone gave it to me. I don't know if I got it as part of a wine club. I don't know. <laughs> but apparently it costs anywhere between 18 and $25, depending on, you know, where you're getting it online or in That's the store. That's not that bad. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, and Petite Syrah pairs very well with like red meat, stews. It's hearty. So you got to get hearty stuff with it. So like, like I said, red meat, stews, hard cheeses. We've got some of that here, some short ribs. Things like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am excited to be finally drinking this. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about this wine before we get into our topic here? You know, last time I really wanted, I was like totally in the mood for a white wine, but, mm-hmm. you know, things have been like cooling down a little bit. We've mm-hmm. gotten a little bit of a reprieve. As Sarah just described, with it being well paired with those heartier dishes and things like that, I'd say that you'd often think that Petite Syrah really should just be drunk with food. Uh huh. I feel like this is actually drinking quite well just by itself, which surprises me a little bit because I do expect, again, with Petite Syrah to be more tannic, and that is just harder to palate when it's on its own and you don't have something to, to coat it with. Yes. I totally agree with that. Usually you would not think that this would be a wine that you would just sit and, and drink on its own, but I, I think it's doing a good job. Yeah. There's um, no, like, harsh no corners around or it like or whatever. No, you like, no astringency or anything like that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. I got to tell you, though, with my first sip, I felt like that nose, like that, when the flavors get in your nose because it's so strong. Had you just swirled your glass... Because if you just rolled your glass, then the alcohol esters just were still evaporating when you shoved oh, your nose yeah. in there. See, so that could see, have been why. The expert knows. No. That's true. I just have singed my so nose hairs times. too many times. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. I'm excited that we're finally drinking it. I am too. Again, I feel like this glass, this pour is going to disappear pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we should, we can just launch into true grit as the topic. Yeah. Okay. Serious question. Yeah. Have you ever seen... The movie? Yeah. No. Either version? No. Okay. Because I have not either, although I was surprised... I don't know why I was surprised, but John Wayne starred in the 1969 original, but there was a more recent version made in 2010 with Jeff Bridges. And True Grit... I'm just going to recite this because I think that this speaks to kind of our topic in general. The synopsis is, her father's murder sends teenage tomboy Maddie Ross on a mission of, quote-unquote, justice to avenge his death. She recruits tough old marshal Rooster Cogburn because he has grit and a reputation for getting the job done. Okay. Okay. Obviously, some teenager recognizes the importance of grit, but... Do do we think that people recognize the importance of grit these days? Like I, I, I feel like it's fallen by the wayside, especially after reviewing all of this stuff. So I don't I know. I feel say, like we're gonna get into that. I would say true grit is lacking in our society right now. Okay, I, I don't disagree. I think people like the easy way out. Which is funny because I was just listening to a running app, mm-hmm. and what the trainer said was. Of course, you could always cruise through life, but it'd be flat and boring. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's the point? And this spoke to me while I was on a run yesterday. And yeah. I was like, I feel like this is also quite quite perfect for our True, Get, True Grit episode. Well, And, yeah, it's no. like if you coast through life, like, 
how do you know the ups and downs? How do you know what to appreciate or what when things are hard? Because do you ever truly know hard if you have You can't appreciate it? the good times if you don't know what truly working hard is. Yeah. And you will not be able to appreciate and really appreciate what what a good time is because you haven't worked hard to get there. Yeah. And like our wine says, True Grit, when you go to their website, they actually have all these cowboys on horses as a picture and it says taste the American dream. And the American dream really is not about coasting. The American dream is people who have come to this country from different countries to work hard and make a life. Nothing's been handed easy to anyone who's come to this country, our founding forefathers, if you want to say. So just making that connection there. I like it. So what are these, like what defines true grit? Like we say that, but what does that truly mean? You know, you can read about a bunch of different perspectives, but I think that there are some commonalities for sure. One thing that I found was Michigan State University. Yay. I know. I was going to say, I feel like this speaks to your heart. Yep. Um, Michigan State University and 4-H, actually, they have a blog about this. They might have some sort of a course on grit. I don't know. They define true grit as it means the person has courage and shows the strength of their character. They have passion and perseverance. Goals are set and followed through. I think the second part is the key because who can't set a goal? It's just achieving it. A person who works really hard to follow through on commitments. And then they also noted that it's not a word you hear very often, or grit specifically, but the phrase true grit is not something you hear very often. And I think that the reason for highlighting that, and they also highlight the works of um, some other authors, is because I feel like they also agree with you that it is lacking in society today. It is. Like, one would hope that true grit was something that was more widely, I guess, a, a, an indicated characteristic of the wide population. No, it's basically our population right now is into social media and what's on their phone <laughs> and what's the easiest way to get. We're all From about convenience. Mm-hmm. We're all about convenience. Amazon delivery, great. I mean, we've talked about this. Listen, yeah, you could listen to a prior post. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, Whole Foods delivery, great. Get it to my door immediately. Convenience, convenience, convenience. I want, I want, I want really good food. I want it fast. Listen, that's not to say that neither of us does that. Take right. I mean, but we do. I will say that we become both of us, more conscious. Both of us have aspects of sugar in our lives, and we have worked very hard to get to certain points previously and currently yes exactly and so i am not saying that those conveniences i have not enjoyed or nor do i not currently enjoy but that can't be the way your whole life is and also like have you noticed have you been around like just if you go around people Mm -hmm. in public people are awful sometimes to one another (laughs) Yes. They are. I'm like, laughing because it's like, otherwise it makes you want to cry a little bit. You're at a bit. restaurant and it's like, why isn't this fast enough? Why isn't my waiter? Like, have you read reviews of places before? Where if you want to complain about like, okay, the food was awful. Or like you go to a hotel and it's dirty. A hundred percent I'm with you. I would complain too. However, if you want to complain that like, you waited too long for a gourmet meal. I'm sorry, but that's 
not acceptable. Like it's not fast food. That's the fast thing. food is so not meant to be gourmet. Fast food is fast food. You're gonna get what you pay for and what you wait for. But people are just so if awful to if one you, another. Yeah. It's like if it's not fast and convenient and good, then you know what? Like you're just gonna get like pe- people just rip you apart, and that's mm-hmm. just not how it goes. And and also, I'm sorry. Going, I'm just gonna go on tangents. Here. Don't apologize. Um, you go, girl. Like this whole thing about how we don't need to actually like. There's people right now who are making so much money. Being like Insta, Instagram. Oh, I don't understand. Celebrities or whatever. I don't understand. Okay. Good for you. I'm glad you found a way to do that. But is that going to carry you through life? I'm going to guess no. But anyway, that is what people strive to be. No one is like, like oh, I'm going to have to get out of school and work hard at whatever it is. Maybe you don't want to go to college, but then maybe you need to go to a trade school and like Yes, what you're saying, you you need to do something. You need to have an aspiration, and I think what I just described, like you need to set a goal for yourself and follow through with it. So whether your goal is, I don't know, cold calling ten people, which sucks. You never want to hear those no's. But for all of these no's, you end up getting a yes. And how do you feel after that? True grit, follow through, perseverance, like. I see it all rolled up into one. We could go a little bit more into detail for like what is considered five specific characteristics of grit. I'd be curious to know how many we each have. Okay. I don't know if you want to play a game. Um, sure. I mean, I Let's feel like it. we're going to say that we have all of these things, but <laughs> all the time. These were taken from a Forbes article, which actually pulls in similar to the, the Michigan State article. Um, pulls in some different things from different authors, some of which I'm going to call out because I think they're particularly interesting. So courage. So courage is, is hard to measure, but it's basically your ability to manage fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a predictor of success. So basically, don't be afraid to fail. And if that's the case, then you will succeed further than you would have. That's true. Right. Did you know that fear of failure is like a real thing? Like a medical oh. thing? No, I didn't. It's called... I'm going to fuck that up. Atichophobia? Okay. Atichophobia? Okay. Whatever. And it's an unhealthy aversion to risk. Now, I... just sounds like anxiety. That is a symptom. Okay. Anxiety is. And I don't disagree with you, but I think there's a little bit more that goes into it. Being a perfectionist. I think is one of those. You're averse to risk because you want to know what the outcome is going to be so that you can make sure that whatever it is, it's perfect. So you do what you need to in order to make it perfect according to your requirements. So I would say like courage on a scale of one to five, I would maybe rate myself a three. I'm kind of risk averse. I won't lie. I would put myself in the three to four. Okay. Yeah, it depends on what it is. I yeah, dependent upon situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. situation dependent for sure. But I've done some pretty, I guess, great, scary things in life before. Uh huh. You know, like yeah, moving to Milwaukee, not knowing anybody. Well, that's like that. I you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I actually think that that is a huge deterrent for a lot of people because, and yeah. I was just talking to Sean about this. Adaptability is such an important aspect of life these days. And I think that the courage to be vulnerable and to essentially uproot yourself and go to, you know, 
the unknown territory, so to speak. Put on your cowboy boots, I guess, right? Yeah. Like get your true grit reserve out. But that in and of itself, a lot of people are like, ah, that's too risky for me. Like I'm just going to stay put. I'll find something here. And it's like you have so many other opportunities and especially with how far reaching and global society is today like I almost feel like geographical location should not be the end-all be-all deciding factor for it things. shouldn't but it is for a lot of people yeah. and you know nothing venture nothing gained I guess oh so, yeah like if you're I don't know I just kind of felt like I needed to to do it and it could either fail and then I would just end up somewhere else that was more mm-hmm. comfortable to me or it would be great. And it was the second thing, which was awesome. But I knew no one. I I remember driving here and being like, what am I doing? I don't even, I hadn't even seen Milwaukee. I didn't even know what the city looked like. Wait, you agreed to come here sight unseen? Yeah. All right. So you are very courageous from that perspective. That I like, hadn't even having seen my apartment. Come here. Oh, I do remember you telling me yeah. this now. Yeah. Yeah. Going in blind, very hard to do. Yeah. Knew nothing about the city. Like nothing. So it was a total risky thing. But I think that people who have a good support system, either either at home or afar, are able to make it through this a little bit more easily. But definitely courageous to, to step out and do that. And I think one quote that I know I've heard multiple times is from Eleanor Roosevelt who says, do something that scares you every day. And so I'll take it to the wine place. If that's trying a new wine that you've never tried before from a country you've never tried before or a varietal you've never tried before, that I wouldn't call that courageous because let's be honest, you can just dump it. (laughs) However, you know, do something that scares you every day. Step out of your comfort zone. I'll take it even like a little bit less extreme. Step out of your comfort zone and try something new because we all get complacent. So being courageous allows you to act outside of that comfort zone and push yourself to further limits. And I can see why that is a predictor of success. Easily. So can I. It makes sense. Now, the next one is conscientiousness. Okay. But this is actually, it's interesting. The way that I was reading it, it's split into two different things. So there's action-oriented... And then there's dependable. Um, Two different ways that people can be conscientious. However, it's the former, the action-oriented individual, who actually can can achieve higher potential than the person who's just dependable. Um, Which makes sense. Right? Yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, if they're they're achievement-oriented and they set goals then they're going to strive further to get there as opposed to just saying like, I'm working on this project. I'm doing a really good job. Whatever you need, I'm your person. I'm your go-to. Not to say there's not a place for that. In, you need that. You absolutely need that. Otherwise you... Well, it's between a leader and a team, a teammate. Or, oh, very yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think that's a great way to say it. I like this. <laughs> Who said this? It's funny. It's important to commit to go for the gold rather than show up for practice or to put it less yeah. delicately. It's better to be a racehorse than an ass. Yeah. That's so this funny. is this is the author, Margaret Perlis, who posted this article on Forbes.com. Okay. And I believe Margaret Perlis is actually, I think that she also has a book about True Grit. And so this comes from, this comes from that book. Nice. I, I liked that too. So that was always conscientious was always what I would get on all of my teacher reviews when I was a kid. Really? Was always con- 
always conscientious. I don't know why that was a word they'd always pick, but... I don't think I was ever called conscientious always. as a child. That was my thing. Like, if they were going to do a review on me, I knew conscientious was coming. What else did they say about you, Sarah? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, no, I do. In fifth grade, my teacher told my mom that I wasn't paying attention and I was daydreaming in class. Because I would, like, doodle and, like... But I was, like, listening. I knew what was going on, but I was just not acting engaged. And my mom was like, well, how's she doing her tests? And she's like, oh, she's doing great. She's like, how's she doing her homework? Well, she's doing great. So what's, what's the, the problem? problem? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and I think... She would, she would call on me on purpose. And I would the always teacher? answer. Yeah. But I think she was like, why isn't this girl paying attention? Yeah. I mean, uh, focusing, staring intently at the blackboard, yeah. you know. That's never been my... My thing. I think that's okay. Um, okay. Basically, be a racehorse, not an ass. Yeah. All right, good. We'll get that emblazoned on, you know, we'll get it printed out, posted on our wall in our bedroom, over our desk. Yeah. I don't know. Bumper sticker. Bumper sticker. I like that. <laughs> okay, I like that. Um, okay. Next one is long-term goals and endurance. So what's really important is like I said before, you set goals, but you also follow through with them. It's yeah. not just lip service, basically. Or just you're like, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And then it's like... Well, don't we all know that person? 100%. Doesn't everyone know that person who's 100%. constantly talking about the things they're going to do, but nothing ever happens? Yes. I feel like everyone has a person in their life that is that guy. And the, can I ask you, though, how do you respond to that person when they say these types of things? Do you ever call them on their bluff? Or no. are you just like... Yeah, okay, great. I'm like, yeah, yeah sounds great. Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We Take a picture. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> Can't wait to see those pics. Prove yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I honestly believe that people who set forth these like really ludicrous goals, it's not that they don't ever intend to do it. It's just they perhaps haven't thought through the process to achieve it. Yeah. And I know that there are a number of, especially, like, I, I have this planner, this Commit 30 planner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's... We've it's, talked about that. Yeah. And it's supposed to, like, help you outline your goal and then, like, set the mini mile markers in order to achieve said goal for each month. I just like the layout of it. And so I just like to write it in it. I have, on occasion, used it to that effect. But is don't you think that that's one of the problems? Like, people set such lofty goals that it's, like... I think it's a it's probably like a fraction of a percentage of people who are able to actually figure out the steps you need in order to achieve that lofty goal. But if people set more attainable goals, not to say that you can't continue to set attainable goals to eventually get you to where your lofty goal would have been, it's just it's easier to chew off or to bite off and make incremental progress towards. Well, I think that depends on the kind of person you are. Yeah? Because like some people... That, that, that might work very well for some people where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, today I'm going to make coffee, but let me get the water first. That's my first step. Mm-hmm. Let me grind the coffee. That's my second step. You know what I'm saying? Like, where other people work really, like, they get motivated by this lofty goal. And that might True. make them more, But that's where know, I think it's a very small percentage. Okay. Because for me, the small things don't work. You need the big. I need like, okay, what am I going for? What's, like, I need to have the end goal in mind. Otherwise, it's like, oh, I just need to like send this email or like check this box. Like, Mm -hmm. 
And don't get me wrong, I like lists. <laughs> and I like the checking of the boxes. However, I need to like really, like I am the prize. Like that's what I need. I'm not sure how I am. I think things have changed since having a small child and my brain no longer functions properly. So I think that In I my now, brain. yeah, I 100% do. I told my coworker, I was like, um, legit, I need you to keep me on track. I know that there are things that I'm missing. I know I'm only part-time, but I'm just like, I, I need you to keep me on track. I need some help there. I keep lists. I keep tons of lists, but my lists are lists of lists. And I just feel like it's not helping me get to where I really need to be. So full admission there. I know I'm lacking in that well, At regards. least you're self-aware. Yeah, but it's hard because like right now I feel like it's almost an insurmountable challenge but I'm, I'm trying to figure out who can help me get back to being what I consider my normal self well, knowing that things change yes and you yeah. just had a baby you know you're old. still getting into your your norm yeah so one thing that I thought was interesting again Margaret in her article mentions that there there's a commonality between a couple people's thought process about how to quantify this long-term goal thing okay and they throw 10,000 hours as a theory. Okay. Which seems... Like forever? Outrageous. Yeah. Yes. But basically, you need to dedicate 10,000 hours in order to have the success. Rather than just like doing something to do something. So another, another phrase that she uses is like practice with a purpose. So like you're continuing to practice, but you, you have this like goal. It's not like, I want to learn about wood burning. And like, then you just like read a bunch or watch a bunch of YouTube videos or something. You have a purpose. Like I want to learn about wood burning so that I can make beautiful wood burning art for whomever. And I want to start a shop and I want to sell it. Yeah. That is the long-term goal. Yeah. And then you do the incremental. You spend the 10,000 hours in order to achieve that. It still sounds like a lot of fucking time to me. It's a lot of time. They say 20, at least 20 hours a week over 10 years. Oh. Isn't that crazy? That's like a part-time job for 10 years. Yes, it is. Yeah. On top of potentially full-time jobs. I don't know. I guess that depends. Is your long-term goal a career kind of thing? Because then that makes sense. That's, yep. That's a good distinction. If it's not, well then, who the hell has that time? Nobody. Like if it's a hobby, right? No one has that time. Gladwell. <laughs> Wait, so Malcolm Maxwell, no, Malcolm Gladwell, he puts down this 10,000 hours theory in his book Outliers, which... Okay, maybe my long-term goal should be to actually fucking read Outliers because I've said for probably a decade that I'm going to read Outliers and I've never read Outliers. Well, but you know what, you know what uh, Jamie's next goal, big goal is? Read anything? <laughs> <laughs> Fell off that bandwagon. Well, you can do Audible. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I like what you're saying because to me, that it means that you, again, if you find a hurdle, like I don't have time to sit down and physically read a book, I find an alternate solution to that. I find a different way around it so yeah. that I can still make my milestones and still move through what my actual goal is in order to achieve it. Yeah. It's a collateral. Yeah. So definitely. like, um, okay, I'm going to use a medical analogy here. Go for it. But okay, if your heart has big blockages in your heart, uh-huh. 
what your body sometimes what it does is it tries to compensate by making collaterals, which are basically it forms collaterals. Collaterals. It forms like other arteries to get the blood to where it needs to go because the big thing, the big one, is blocked up with oh, cholesterol really? and plaque and whatever. Yeah. So you have all these collaterals that can form to basically bypass that. So and they just they just sprout out of necessity. Yes. Interesting. Now, eventually, that's not going to sure end well for the person. But what I'm saying is, is Sarah saying go see a doctor, but go, also go see a doctor. find Especially, an alternate route. Yeah. Basically, make a collateral is what I'm saying. Interesting. So, I like that. Yeah. Okay. What is another? Um, I think we got a couple more aspects here of True Grit. So the next one is resilience. But resilience is actually comprised of a few different things. And it is optimism, confidence, and creativity. Okay. So there's this author, Andrew Zoli, who defines resilience as the ability of people, communities, and systems to maintain their core purpose and integrity among unforeseen shocks and surprises. So through, and I think we were talking about this earlier on in the podcast, through like the adversity that life throws us, we're able to continue to weed out the negative mentalities and not look at it as a defeatist, right? We're able to stay positive about it, have confidence that we will get through it, and also the creativity to maybe create these collaterals to get around that burden, to get around that challenge that's presented itself. And so that resilience is absolutely necessary to for someone who has true grit in order to actually accomplish anything something that you and I I think think very similarly on is that a lot of people when they're met with adversity and or they find some block some block or some obstacle they're just like immediately like oh well I'm not gonna do this it's too hard and they're like brush it off, wash their hands, and they're like, on to the next thing. Right. And it's like, yeah, but you could spend a little bit of time trying to see if there's an alternate route like we were just talking about. Right. Uh, not automatically feel as if you're met with, you know, some opposition, that that just means that you can't progress. It, it means that there's a push and a pull, and you have to find a balance, mm-hmm. but that eventually you also not only find that balance, you find a way to overcome that. And so it's, I, I don't know. I think resilience is something that, again, is, it's, it's harder because a lot of people are met with a lot of negativity in the world. And I think yeah. that pe- that crushes a lot of confidence these days. Right. I believe that people are finding it much more challenging to remain confident. Not necessarily that there's a lack of creativity. I think that We've seen a lot of people show their creative sides in things, but it's like, but what are you, what are you creative for? Like, what's your end game? What's your purpose? And I think that people have met with obstacles and they've just found an outlet. But again, what are you going to do with it? I totally agree. It's this whole like express yourself thing, but express yourself and then what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What makes it so special or what do you want to do with it? Like, where do you want to put that energy? So... That makes a lot of sense. I've never thought of it that way. But the confidence, the optimism, that is really what keeps people going. Well, and think about it. If your confidence is crushed, if you've been told, like, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, or you just feel like the weight of the world is on you, like, it's it's hard to overcome that. Yeah. But that, again, speaks to this perseverance piece that is necessary for anybody who has true grit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
I'm into this. Okay, I think we have one last aspect here. Excellence versus perfection. Okay, so... <laughs> Winston has a thought. He's got a problem right now. He's, he's finding his resilience. He's trying to stay optimistic. <laughs> Oh, okay. That did not go out into an all-out bark. Mm. Oh. <laughs> He's a disgruntled just, man. Just disgruntled. <laughs> just disgruntled. Oh, and Aww. yawning. All right. So excellence oh, versus buddy. perfection here. So gritty people don't seek perfection but strive for excellence. Okay, I love that because trying to be perfect is impossible, A. And, like, B, like... Does it matter? So, like, here's how I think of that. Okay. Like, if I'm putting out something for work, and mm-hmm. it's, like, like I'm presenting on something tomorrow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, am I going to spend hours trying to make my presentation look perfect? Or is what am I going to... Cr- like, I'm still going to make it look good, but is it going to look perfect? Or is what comes across going to sound good? And is, is the message going to be delivered? And in my mind, like, that's the, that's, that's the important thing. Because, trust me, I have spent hours and time trying to, like, perfect an Excel spreadsheet or Microsoft Word or whatever, and it does not happen. It's impossible. You're putting a lot of shit into perspective for me. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I can't, I stopped doing that. I, like, I'm like, okay, does it look good? Like, it looks decently good. Great. Like, is it as perfect as I'd like it to be? No, but no one's going to care. Like, they're going to care about what I'm saying. Yeah. And they're going to care about what the message is. And, like, that's the most important thing. And so I think I like this because I've tried to be perfect before and it just doesn't happen. However, perfection is sometimes necessary in certain things. Like, yeah. I don't want to get on a plane where the where the well, um, sh- the pilot. pilot's not flying perfectly. Yeah. Sure, sure. I get that. I think that you've put this into a really good perspective because I... And I'm that person, God, you guys can like judge me all that you want, but I'm that person where if I see errors and stuff, like I'm just like, oh my God, like. Oh, so am I. I mean, I do that. Especially spelling. Okay, but I'm even worse. Spelling, sure, I get it. I think a lot of people would fall into that camp. Me, you have extra spaces Mm -hmm. in between words. Drives me nuts. We don't have consistent bulleting in our slides or in our document. That drives me nuts. And I don't know if it's because, like, from the marketing perspective, in undergrad, I came out of it thinking, like, your professionalism, your credibility relies on you putting something perfect out. And I I did grow up with the nickname Miss Perfect for a while in grade school, so there's that. Um, However... It's hard for me to take a step back and to have the mentality that you just described, which I think is actually a hindrance to me. So I think I would fail miserably in this particular characteristic. But it's because perfectionism is not going to get you. Like, you should really focus on the end game, the the excellence, the, the excellence of the information that you're sharing yeah. rather than the format that it's displayed in. Because exactly. the information is there regardless. It's a matter of, like, whether it's aesthetically pleasing or not, it is neither here or should not be here, but neither here nor I there. I understand your point. Like, you want things... I'm like that, too, where you're like, oh, the bullet points aren't laying up, or this and that. It's not the same font, or there's too many spaces, or whatever. Yeah. I don't disagree. But making all of that cohesive does not make it perfect. Perfect is, like, 
there is no flaws whatsoever. And like, True. I think that that is something where like, you can still make it look neat and tidy. Perfectionism is scary too. If that is in fact yeah. what you're striving for, it's scary because it's very difficult to achieve it. And how do you, like you just said, how do you define it? What is perfect? It's not just like, do you have all the right formatting? It's everything. Well, it's also in the eye of the beholder. Very true. I mean, the perfect girl is not the perfect girl for everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perfect guy is not the perfect guy for everybody. Very true. It's all about perspective, so. One thing that they describe, excellent, like, you should kind of strive to have that perfectionism piece, right? Because you don't want to be sloppy. So no. I'll, I'll say that, like, there's maybe an ounce of perfection in there and not a full pound, but... Excellence is something that's more a mentality. It's a mindset. It's, it's you know, who you are as an attitude or whatever. And so what you strive to achieve in excellence is, again, putting out the information that's absolutely necessary, making sure people are informed, they know what to do. Um, when we're talking about work, excellency is taking care of yourself, taking care of your family, all of these things. You can define excellence, but it allows you to prioritize, as it says here, Progress over perfection. Yep. And so, who is this? It says, to paraphrase Tennyson, seeking, striving, finding, and never yielding. We continue to strive for the best. We progress. Maybe we need to adapt. And then we can progress more. And so it's striving for that excellence. That is the end game. But does excellence ever have an end game? I feel like it. you can always continue to improve. No. You can always continue to improve. There is no end game. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think true grit is something, like we said, being aware of what I would describe as like my own personal shortcomings as we describe these characteristics of grit makes me aware of it, makes me acknowledge like, oh, hey, this is something I'm going to have to work on, whether it's professional, personal, or otherwise. It doesn't mean that I'm a horrible person or that I'm going to fail miserably at anything. It's just that, okay, I got to like bring some more things into check, into balance. It's, It's honestly... It's never giving up. But here's the thing, Sarah. When people say, never give up, you can do it. Like, there's a part of me that's like, I feel like that's just lip service. I feel like that's, it's like. You have to believe it. You say it, but you, yeah, but you don't mean it. You have to believe it. You have to mean it. And especially, you are your own advocate. And I think this is one of the most challenging things for people to accept. You are your own advocate. You can't expect anyone else to do anything for you in order for you to get to where you want to be. It's totally true. Not your parents, not your siblings, not your spouse, no one. You need to do it yourself. Yeah. Like that's... Not to say that people don't get to certain places because of, you know, maybe some advantageous... Listen, I got I landed some really good jobs because I happened to know somebody who yeah, talked to the right person. Do you succeed at that job? That's well, that's... Thing. I was just going to say. You might land the job You might get someone, somewhere. But yeah. do you succeed at that job? and that I think is the point that a lot of people miss is like sure people get to where they are maybe not because it's deserved but do they then deserve to stay in that position right in that role I mean I think that that is the art that's the evaluation that needs to be done yeah how are you evaluating this wine oh I mean Sarah well I'm almost done with the second pour so I do really like it again I've had minimal amounts of food. I think this is very heavy black fruit. I know we've talked before, like bramble. What the fuck is a bramble? I'm going to say that this is a bramble. <laughs> I just think of like kind of woody, kind of earthy. Um, it's, it's got that oak for sure. Deeper than a blackberry. Yeah, there's definitely oak on it. 
But I also think, and the nose, I feel more leather. Not even dark chocolate. Maybe more like milk chocolate. A little bit of coffee. But on the flavor, I think I get a hint of tobacco. Mm-hmm. There's more heat. There's a little spice that there's stays tobacco. in your mouth. Yeah. I think it's actually a pretty delicious wine. And again, the age on this, six years, perhaps not quite what wine enthusiasts suggested. Yeah. But I still think that I'm not sure that it would age. I'd be interested to know if it would age to 2032. Oh, that I don't know. I think it could definitely age for a few more years. Yeah, yeah. But I think that this has mellowed the tannins. Like, Petite Syrah can be... A little off-putting because it's uh, it's so heavy and such so bold and what's it's the bold. word that I'm thinking of? Brass. It's got brass. Brass. All <laughs> of them. You, are we rhyming? I don't know. Brass. Crass. Brass. Crass. Grass. Grass. Kick your ass. Oh, be a horse race, not an ass. There, mm, we go. there you go. Okay. <gasps> but no, I I like it. What about you? I do like it. I wouldn't say like a lot. I think that there's a little a tad had too much oak for me okay um but i think that it can is... i ask did you have some of the pepper crackers no okay because that makes it more intense did and you? i feel like it's a little i just did now and okay. i feel like that is a little over the top so i would say if if you're going to pair this wine with a food maybe lay off pepper spice go with something that's like i think it's done well with the hard cheese I agree. But I th- let's say you're going to pair it with a steak. Don't do a peppercorn like, right. like um, topping yeah. or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hard cheeses are, is fanta- are fantastic. Something umami, I, f- I almost feel like mushroomy. Um, very I could see mushrooms, yeah. Like I think that that could be a, a really good accompaniment with this particular wine. I, 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 th- I see the stew thing that they mm-hmm, mentioned. Mm-hmm. So hearty. I guess is the thing. I, yeah. But yeah, I think it's good. I think it's balanced. I like the fruit. I just think it has, for me, just a little too much oak. Yeah. Um, okay. That's coming through. I think you can do the oak, but not let it overpower the fruit. And it's it's not, I wouldn't say overpowering the fruit, but it's it's taking away from the fruit. And that's, I think, the a hard balance to strike with wine. Yeah. But something that winemakers continue to persevere. And perhaps that is, in fact, why wine enthusiasts suggested... Aging it longer? Aging it a little bit longer. Wine, like people, are continually evolving. It's a living being. It is a living being. We are learning. It is adapting. It is changing. And I think that that is something... Like, one of the benefits of wine, but also perhaps one of the drawbacks of maybe even, like, our own market here in wine drinking... Because in the U.S., we drink a lot, like, go to the store, buy a bottle, drink it, pop it open. There are a number of wines, and there is a great benefit, I think, that can be had when you actually let something sit for a little bit longer. Yep. Well, this one's been sitting, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Could you imagine if we did this episode, like, a year ago? It probably wouldn't be that good. Probably not. So, you know, advantageous for us. Yes. All right. I think that... Especially as we go through life, like our level of true grit might change and adapt. And I think that's okay. But I think it's important to really focus on these different characteristics. And like we said earlier on, become self-aware. Like, where do you find yourself? Yeah. Can you find yourself in this definition of true grit? If so, awesome. Kudos to you. High five. There's your high five. But if not... Like, can you do something to change that? Do you like the high five? Self high five. I did. I, I really felt like Barney that. Barney Stinson on yeah. How I Met Your Mother. High five. 
Okay. It's going to be legend dairy, which it says legendary on here. It says deep roots, legendary wine. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you legend, have, wait for you it. You know dairy. what's going on mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Thanks, folks. Thanks, guys. Thanks for um, preserving this wine so wonderfully, Sarah. Yeah. You're welcome. Go out there and get it. Get it. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.